This is Solastalgia. My name is Sue Ann Harding. My name is Cullen Shaw. And this podcast is a series of stories about accidental environmental activism in Northern Ireland. I first came across the word solastalgia when I was reading Robert McFarlane's book, Underland. And solastalgia is a word that was coined by an Australian professor, Glenn Olbrecht, in 2003. And he defines it as a form of psychic or existential distress caused by environmental change. Welcome to episode two of Solastalgia, where we continue the story about the beginnings of Molly Rose Way and the accidental environmentalist group Save Our Lagan. It's a story about the feelings and actions that came about in response to the destruction of the Singing Hedge and the row of mature trees along the Lagan towpath in January 2022, all done by Northern Ireland's DFI, Department of Infrastructure, to make way for the tidal flood alleviation wall. And we are joined again in the studio by Olivia, Molly Rose's mother. In this episode, the three of us talk about what happened after the 24th of February 2022 and the week-long protest when Save Our Lagan and friends tried to prevent the further destruction of more trees along the river. We talk about the meetings held with government representatives and officials over the weekend, about what happened on Monday the 28th of February and how the protest came to an end. We remember what it felt like to be there and in the immediate aftermath. We talk about the legacy of the protest, including the public consultation exercise held by the contractors and the DFI in the Belfast Boat Club on June 30. Construction of the wall began in July 2022 and is, at the time of recording in autumn 2022, ongoing. So according to the law, the 1st of March is the beginning of the bird nesting season, which means you cannot remove hedges or trees or anything like that on the 1st of March. Mm-hmm. So Friday is the 25th of April. The they 20th. had a license for that up until the 25th, mm-hmm. which meant they they didn't have a license to be there or they would have had to get an extended license. Yes, Claire Hannon was saying there were going to be various meetings, mm-hmm. I think we felt that if we could hold them off until the 1st of March, then we would buy some time. Mm -hmm. I think that was really important. Mm -hmm. So the idea that there were going to be meetings on the Friday, on the Sunday, there was a feeling maybe that if we could just hold hold off Mm -hmm. for one more day on the Monday, we would get to the bird nesting season and hopefully then we would buy some time. Mm -hmm. So Claire Hanna organized a meeting between DFI councillors and save our lagon. You sent in information, I collated it, and the meeting happened. At the end of that meeting, they said that the trees are going to come down, that they'd explored everything, you know, um, cantilever gates, um, removable gates. According to their best you know, analysis, the trees could not be saved because of the, the feature of the wall. The wall has a a flood wall is different from a normal wall. The wall gets its strength from its um, foundation. And it's an L-shaped structure 
that basically covers a lot of the roots. The way they model it is that if the, the root structure is compromised, then the tree will basically die and might fall on somebody. So you're back to this analysis of risk. So they basically said, it's better if we take the trees down. We could leave them there. They'll probably die anyway. The decision was, do we let them go ahead or do we go and we try and prevent them now we're taking direct action to actually prevent them from taking down the trees. You said to me, the trees are going to come down, but you were told mm. that if anybody entered the site or went onto the site, they would stop. Yeah. So I felt that it was quite important to go down mm -hmm. and get on site because mm -hmm. I thought they would stop. Um, so every day the week before, we'd gone down at about 8 o'clock. Some people had gone down a bit earlier. We were all a little bit on the WhatsApp group, so we were communicating together. And I remember waking up around 7 and looking at WhatsApp straight away and people were saying, they're already here. Mm -hmm. And I just got up and grabbed the banner and ran down to the site. It was before half past seven, and yes, they were there. They chopped them all down and they were feeding them into a chipper. Mm -hmm. And I just ran onto the site. I had to go Towards under the bridge. the bridge and climb over the gate. Mm -hmm. And I just ran on because I thought they would stop. And I stood on the logs. They were there with chainsaws and... There were lots of them. There were a lot of them. They were very young mm -hmm. as well. And John turned up as well. The and manager. suddenly he was there. We were standing on the logs and we figured that we could just stand close to them, stand close to the truck. If they were chainsawing a log and we stood on it, they stopped mm -hmm. and moved away. So it was a bit cat and mouse, but it was terrifying as well because the chainsaws were going and it was noisy. There was a ton of them and they were saying, it's too late, it's too late, the trees are down. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here? Get away, you're going to get hurt. And I had my banner and I was going, I'm making a point. Mm -hmm. I remember being terrified at the idea that given this assurance that they wouldn't, if they were, had any opposition from the public, namely us, then they'd stop. And I thought, wow, we're going to have to own this because we're now preventing construction of a tidal flood alleviation wall. And boy, and if there's a if there's a flood in the meantime, we are in such trouble. Because we had spoken to some local people who were saying, listen, I won't be able to get insurance on my apartment if this uh, flood wall doesn't go in. Um, do you want us to all drown on our beds? And they were always given by the powers that be this very utilitarian uh, engineering response that we need this wall, otherwise 17,000 properties would be in danger of flooding. So now we're in a position where we're actually preventing that scheme from going ahead. So I was in two minds. They had released this tree surgeon report saying that the, 
you know, they'd explored it. And that was really what we had asked for. I wasn't personally too confident that we're, we're in a position just to m- make them stop. It turns out that that was a very stupid thing to think because they were never going to stop. They were there before six o'clock in the morning. That's the other thing that came out. The fact that normally they were just starting, well, eight o'clock or something like that. For, but Because it was dark. Yes. It's pitch dark. So it, health and safety was left at the door. I remember I was working that night and I remember reading the WhatsApp text and just being shocked that they were gone mm-hmm. at seven. They had went almost behind our backs to go earlier. They went at six o'clock. That was like a crack squad in and out. And by the time we got there, there was about three of us who got there at about before 7.30. Lisa was there even before and it was already too late. I remember being there and the young guys who were demolishing, they were kind of laughing at us mm-hmm. and there was kind of like a real snide kind of, what are you going to do about it now? And, you know, I remember them talking to Lisa and Ursula and kind of, you know, m- like making fun of us. Yeah. Like we were really stupid mm-hmm. to even care if the trees were down and that wasn't good. That was really demoralising and really like, okay, so... You've chopped down the trees, but you're also making fun. Yeah. When I got down, it was all over. And I could see that some of the group were in a heightened state of of emotion, which is perfectly natural. I just sort of tried to talk to the contractors. Really, I thought this situation seems not volatile to the point where it was dangerous. But it's just a scene of, like again, violence. It's such a good word because it was a, a violent scene. So I remember talking to the, the, the younger contractors and they were they were sort of goading and saying, you know, you're silly. And again, it, it goes back to this emotion of, of, of feeling kind of ridiculous. They would sort of point to, you know, we do this for a living. We're, we didn't, we're just carrying out orders. You know, we plant trees on Wednesdays and we cut down trees on Thursdays. You know, this isn't us. This is what we do all day. There was a beginning of a conversation, I think, that started up between us and the, 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 the contractors. I think if you visualise it as well, for anyone listening, behind the barricades now was like loads of tractors, loads of men, all in their orange hats and mm-hmm. orange. But the trees are splattered all over yes. the place. Mm-hmm. And yes. they were dissected into logs that were just these beautiful trees that were high and tall were now lying on the ground covered in sawdust and it was like bodies lying Mm -hmm. in a dismay of murder yeah (laughs) it was really carnage and Mm. and the trees were down by the time we got there but the cleanup. So yes, the logs were everywhere. The sawdust was everywhere. They the were smell. feeding them into the chipper. They were mm. loading up Sound the, of the mm. beep, beep, beep of the truck reversing. And I'm standing in the way of the truck and they're mm. kind of getting flustered. And I think John might have climbed mm. up onto the truck. And mm. it was like totally futile that we were there. We had to be there to even witness it mm-hmm. we'd been there every day the week before and it had been quiet you know after that first day when we when we stopped them from doing it so we'd gone down every morning people had been tooting people knew uh, people knew about the site the idea that we would not be there mm-hmm. uh, that last day uh, it just seemed anathema to me I thought 
I, uh, of course I'm going to be there. I'm not going to go, uh, okay, well, mm-hmm. you can chop the tree. And even though, I mean, I was shocked that, that it had begun. I thought we would get there and they would just be setting up or something. So mm-hmm. that was really brutal. But then even to stand in the midst of it, I felt like I had to witness it. And I had... I wanted them to see that I was witnessing it. It's like, I see you do this. We know you tried to come in at six o'clock in the dark and get it all done quickly and quietly and clean it up so that it, you know, was was finished. But no, I'm here and we see you. I felt that that was really important. And, and I guess people were going past. They were still tooting and everything. It, it was still so people did see that. But the tooting, it, it was it was like we've it was like a real kind of failure, you know, the celebration of us standing there and saving the trees. It was like when the dudes were going past, it was like we yeah. failed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't save these trees. It was really not a nice feeling. No, and they cleaned up and they left. I had to go pick up Molly Rose and explain to her, I'm sorry, the trees are gone. And she was absolutely devastated. So much so she didn't even want to walk past mm. on the way home. Mm. The place is blighted. Yeah, and for a long time I couldn't go mm-hmm. anywhere near it, that mm. place. Well, I've only seen it recently. Obviously, school's back and bringing Molly Rose back to the same area, back to school. There's a gateway in, so obviously that's how they get the bulldozer in, and that's exactly where the trees were. So the reason why they cut those trees down was to get in and out access, and the huge big bulldozer there just ripping it all up. Mm. I think it's it's actually really scary to see. Yes, because for a long time nothing happened. So mm-hmm. all of this happened, this is February 28th, the trees all came down, it was done. Mm-hmm. was bird nesting season and mm-hmm. although that's no guarantee because as we found out in May there were mature hawthorns that were also chopped down just for exploratory mm-hmm. and not a lot happened for a long time it's only just mid-July when they've actually started and so the barricades have come back up those mm-hmm. fences the bulldozers are there the signs are up the there. signs are up again the wall is visible now I haven't seen the war. It's tiny. You look at it and think, all of this for that? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of feeling it gives you? Mm -hmm. But maybe that's even hopeful because it's not this huge, massive (laughs) wall. Like the word, I remember saying, why do you have to keep calling it a wall? Wall, like I just think of the Berlin Wall and Mm -hmm. the wall (laughs) that runs through Palestine and Mm -hmm. the walls between people, like the word itself, it's Mm -hmm. such... And the contractor guy was going, but it's just a word. Where it's positioned is actually going to be the whole way down. So it's like cutting the lane in three quarters. It's not in a good place. Mm. I guess we have to be brave and go and see. We can't just not. Mm, yeah. But I saw all these roots as well, like a whole. And I just thought, were they the roots from the trees that they cut down? Absolutely. Or are they other roots? Or like, I haven't lived here for a long time. And I felt like that that place was a little bit of my place. And now I feel it's not, let alone the people who live there or Molly Rose who goes every day mm-hmm. to school or 
Peter Cushy remembers it from decades ago. Mm-hmm. Just about two weeks ago, I was walking along that area and I heard someone come along with their child on a bicycle and they said, wow, look at the sign says it's closed, you know, um, and this scheme is going to happen until summer 2023. Wow, I can't believe this is closed. So, so many people don't even know still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find that quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. That they're only realising now when the diggers are in, the wall's up, wow, maybe this is what those crazy people were mm-hmm. protesting yeah, yeah. against, you know? Because again, even before the the protest started, the only reason we started it is because we saw those signs saying this is where work is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, the, the communication about it or the this is what's going to happen, this is what it's going to look like, this is why we're doing it. This, It's just so patchy. They, they just... And actually, under the bridge is a a walkway that's really safe for kids to walk mm. because you're in a really busy roundabout there and junction. That's completely closed now. So at one point, myself and Kieran were thinking about letting Molly Rose walk or cycle. Mm-hmm. Now we can't really because she's going to be on that main road with that's the right. roundabout. So that safety aspect everybody talks about risk assessments Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's gone now that underpass is Mm -hmm. gone and probably will be until the walls back up indeed after they left we were looking at this this, this carnage really and I thought well where's the grace banister tree they had said in that meeting that they were going to set it aside so part of it the wood could be given back to the family you couldn't really work it into a bench that wasn't that type of wood but perhaps a sculpture. It was something that, that would be meaningful to the to the family. But there it was. And it's a very arresting image. Basically, it's just the trunk. It was easily identifiable because you found a little heart-shaped lichen mark, like a little tattoo. There it was. And for some reason, they carved in to the bark across to identify it, I presume. Maybe on that very, very early thing, they said there's one tree that needs special attention. So they just sort of scored it like that but there it was lying on the ground with this uh, like gash mm, through the little heart you couldn't get a starker more kind of like this is a world where every tree should be as precious as as Molly Rose thinks it is because yeah. it really is these aren't just emotions this this isn't just affect this is biodiversity crisis and they treat those things as they're complete garbage yeah. there's absolutely no regard for them their rights obviously they don't have rights under the current legislation but even the fact that they're something of beauty that they're of habit that they're of huge significance to people they're absolutely nothing mm. so it's that disregard that decadence that we can do this and keep on doing this forever because it's only an old tree and we'll plant more and what are you worried about and then we're back to this feeling of the lack of trust because we are now made aware and this is why although we've been accidental activists, we're now committed activists, is that they cannot be trusted, that we, we they don't have our trust because they can't be trusted. They don't see what we see. They don't measure what we measure. And they don't give value to things that are intrinsically essential for not just for our minds, but for our lungs and our, our, our environments. Yes, and for the birds and the insects and the quality of the soil mm-hmm. and the quality of the water and all of this is this massive bioecological system. It's not just that 
oh, we like the trees mm -hmm. and we live in Stranmillis and we like to have the trees. We're in a climate emergency and we have to think about what we're doing. We mm -hmm. have to stop. They're saying, but the plans went through in 2018. There was, we screened out the environmental thing back in 2000 and whenever. It's like, okay, but stop, think. Situation has changed. Mm -hmm. Reassess. You're trying to build this wall that's going to prevent floods. Okay, now, but for the next 80 years, that's they have this kind of time scale mm -hmm. that that's why they're doing it. So you're you're doing something now because you're thinking 80 years into the future, but you're not thinking about the devastation that you're causing to the hedges and the sparrows and on all of this. That's what's really worrying. They're kind of a little bit on another planet. Well, there is no other planet. <laughs> I still keep thinking about other countries in Japan. They worship their trees. They actually build around the trees. If the tree's been there longer than 50 years, they actually make sure that their architecture and everything is built around. The tree is a worship, a, yeah. you know, a yeah. goddess, a yeah. god in their yeah. eyes. Where is that in this country? It's seen as extractivist value for what you can get out of the tree or for what you can get out of the land that you need to build on or, or something like that. And I guess that's the conversation that we want to have mm -hmm. and that we want to change that we would like planning to be done in conjunction with proper environmental assessment, mm. not an environmental assessment that goes, well, the vegetation is kind of poor and there's not a lot here, so it's not going to matter. Mm. But actually, in a state of emergency, in a state of crisis, to have a look at that environmental impact and also to build into the plans restoration and recovery. So they removed all of those mature trees and those trees. And, and when we say to them, are you going to plant more trees? They say, yes. And we say, where? And they say, well, we haven't worked that out yet. A few, so, miles, a few miles up the road, mm -hmm. I was told by one of the... There is no there's no actual plan. So they have a plan, which we saw at that meeting in July, where they have a plan for here's the roads and here's the trees that need to go down. But there is no plan, written plan that says and afterwards it's going to look like this and we will plant this and this and this tree and we will restore this hedge here and here and here. And this is how they have no idea. They were asking us. Mm -hmm. The manager of the whole thing was saying, well, where do you think we should plant the trees? Mm -hmm. Let's go for a walk along the lagon here and maybe you can tell us where to plant the trees. And I'm thinking, I'm not a biodiversity <laughs> officer. And then <laughs> that moment, I don't know if you were there when he was he was looking at this kind of, there was a bit of lawn, like, well, the grass and mowing is another story. And there was all these nettles and blackberry and, yeah. un yes, all that mm. kind of thick is in summer, right? So mm. all this thick. And he said, oh, well, we could clear this and plant some trees there. And there was this collective gasp <laughs> where everyone went, oh, like, mm. clear? You can't clear this. This is like full of bees and mm. insects and pollinators and everything. That's so a wild garden. Mm -hmm. Everybody's they, saying you have to keep that. Exactly. Sure. And, and what, they, what was he? Was he? In, he was going to, he said, well, we could clear it and plant the tree. Because in his mind was like, well, you were upset that we 
removed the trees, so we'll plant a tree, mm-hmm. and then you won't be upset again. And I'm thinking, but to do that, we'll remove all of this exactly, yeah. because he saw it as wasteland, as kind of a nothing. Yeah, and and he sees everything. Well, I I, I got the impression they see everything in this sort of uh, two dimensional, three hundred meters above black and white line drawing. Yeah, like Lego building almost. Exactly. So you can get three trees in there and then they'll grow for so many years. It's all done with modelling and it's a very, very, very strange perspective to have. And these guys have extraordinary powers. These are the guys who sign off on a Friday or on a Monday and these trees disappear. So they, they seem to have all the power and none of the... Knowledge. Knowledge. Or the respect Mm -hmm. that they don't have the knowledge. So they need to find people who do have the knowledge and work with those Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. He did admit to me at that meeting that, oh, he said, well, I got a landscape architect in. And I was like, well, did you get a biodiversity officer in? Did you get someone who, like, knows about ecology and and hadn't thought about Mm -hmm. that, had only thought about landscaping to kind of make it look good mm-hmm. or something like this but not thinking about the biodiversity crisis the habitats and and everything that all exist that's what we want to continue having the conversation about yes because i suppose although on that monday it was kind of all over for the trees there has been a legacy i think and part of that was that their communication about the actual building of the wall has been much better this is the dfi now because they know that people have eyes on them. And I think we can credit ourselves and everybody else, even those who are tooting their horns, that they are have been better at pains to talk to the people. So they did have a public uh, consultation there recently and people from Saver Lagoon went down and we did have interesting conversations around any regrets they might have had of not carrying out a full impact assessment. Now, I just said re, it's very hard to trust these people, but they did say that they do regret not having carried out that assessment because it caused a whole lot of headaches, many more meetings than they ever would have wanted to have done. Extra costs because they had to do like re-exam Barricades. plans. Barricades. <laughs> and a PR. I say they don't have PR. And we were given, even given the assurance again, whether you trust them or not. Is they have said that they're going to try and restore that lane. Yes. Molly Rose's way. They also said that they were going to remove more trees but have decided not to because that was always optional those are the trees that would be on the north side of the bridge Yeah. so going up and we were quite worried about them because they're quite mature trees as well beautiful trees all with numbers are they the ones that Molly Rose was hugging that day? no No. they were then under underpass trees Ah, they should be okay because that wall's already there Ah, but it's the trees that are a little bit further up towards the the north on the left hand side they're beautiful trees they're beautiful trees Yeah. and the sparrows live there so there is a legacy uh, I like to think and also we're more aware of A of the law the lack of laws around it. We've made allies mm-hmm. and we want to continue connecting for other people. And what we've really discovered through this is that we were an ad hoc loose group that gathered 
accidentally around this incident that happened and since then have become increasingly aware of other plans to develop along the Lagan Valley and other examples of lack of duty of care and all of those things. And we've met other people across Northern Ireland who are also doing the same thing and fighting their own little battles with planning and legislation and various things around exactly these kinds of things. And that is that same feeling of recognition and solidarity that we talked about at the very beginning when we first kind of met each other and saw in each other that it wasn't just me and it wasn't just by it wasn't just me feeling this but other people felt the same way and we've found that more and more um, across Northern Ireland and we're uh, connecting with those people Mm. and learning from those people who are more experienced than us and that's also, I guess, a legacy of what's happened. And it's still very fresh. One of the things that I've taken from this today is you feel like you're just there again and the emotions in your heart and in your throat and it's just very strong. It brings you back to just how you felt. Um, And obviously there's loads of people out there who feel the same Mm. power and passion about nature and that's the beauty that then we can come together and try and help yeah as molly was said be their voice yeah mm-hmm. well for me the legacy just thinking about our conversation today it's like you say just how raw i think we've all stopped at the pause that's distressing in a way but i think what i've learned is that you have to sort of almost embrace the discomfort and the awkwardness and sometimes the ridicule, the embarrassment of what it is to be, uh, you know, an environmental campaigner because it's just, it can seem so silly even to oneself, you know. There's a kind of a diffidence or a, it's very hard to sort of step out of normal paths of behaviour and seeing you, you know, you two doing that I don't know what you're feeling when you're holding those banners, but seeing you do it is extremely empowering because it, you, I'm just doing, I'll just stand beside you. You know, that's so, yeah. so much easier. Yeah. And you can't, that cannot be done on one's own. And I think all of those trees were kind of invisible to us. They were kind of like the background. Yeah. Well, they felt like that until they were all taken away. Yeah. And the well of emotion that we have all felt, and that's, I've met people who are aware of the campaign and they share that. They can't believe it. Those trees, those urban trees, like are, are kind of, were so important to people, to so many people. So, but by maybe getting rid of some of those feelings of inhibition, where you feel silly mm-hmm. about caring about a tree, or caring about these, in the face of you know well explained. It's a tidal flood alleviation plan, etc. That no, 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 absolutely not. That's not the way the conversation should happen. Um, that's not the way these plans should be carried out. That's not the way the public should be engaged with. That's not the way it, it can be explained to a child or, mm. or or an adult. And this this whole system is completely broken. And so the shame should be on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not on us. And emotions are often dismissed mm. and ridiculed 
women are often dismissed for being too emotional and not rational enough and and to calm down and children are just seen as too emotional but there's a place for emotions and strong emotions because they make you act I mean Mm. even a physical thing that adrenaline of that week I like to get up and have a nice cup of tea and stay at home and kind of ease myself into the day. That week, <laughs> I was up mm-hmm. in my clothes, in my boots, and down at the thing. Like It's like you, you don't think, and maybe that's good because you're kind of driven to do something and in response to what is happening rather than just like, should I or shouldn't I? And maybe then, too, it gives you a power to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And this is a time Mm. when I think we all have to do things that we wouldn't normally do because it's not normal times. Well, Mm. people kept saying to me, why are you doing this? What are you doing down there? And, you know, kind of. But I was really there for Molly Rose. You know, she had to go to school. So I was there for her. I was there for the children. I was there for her voice, you know. It does mean something what we did, doesn't it? Yes, I think it does. (laughs) I really think it does. They had that meeting in July because we rattled people's cages Mm -hmm. and there were people at that meeting that we hadn't met and we hadn't seen. There were people who lived in those apartments and were furious that those trees had been taken down at six o'clock in the morning. Like that's their backyard and they were furious about that and there were other people speaking up about biodiversity and taking care and there needs to be proper legislation it wasn't just us and I think every little thing that you do even if it's very small and somebody sees and somebody has to react and somebody has to take that into consideration we can only do that and build on little steps I don't think I could have not done anything I could not have not gone down even though I didn't know what was going to happen I think the main thing that really pushed me was the fact that my 10 year old daughter was saying why mummy why do the trees have to come down and I was just that is an amazing question and it it isn't just an excuse to say flood evolution Mm. system it it isn't Mm. it's like why who's responsible for Mm -hmm. this it's a really good question and and that's why I was there what's hard to formulate in the, in the face of these rational explanations of is that it's everything that they plan is is supposed to be a gain it's supposed to be a positive so you know protection and, and all, all the good things but that place is lost that it's gone it's gone forever this podcast is called solastalgia so we'll never get that place back it's just in memories now and that's really so although i think we have gained something perhaps a purpose perhaps some tools certainly friendships and allies allies and a plan we've lost something forever you know and that's kind of devastating and they don't see what we see mm. and they don't need to in a sense because it's invisible now we, we're not sure we can go back to that place. It's gone. But, I mean, I suppose geometrically there is this place called the the towpath. Um, it's been forever scarred, and that's a great pity. And I was thinking, you know, how do we give a face to this? How do we communicate this 
better and make it more easy for people to to rally around. So I had this idea, and I obviously needed to talk to you, her mother, about this. So I, we I, we stopped, we chatted, and That's I said, right. "Would it be okay if instead of calling it the Stimulus Topath, we call it Molly Rose Way?" That's right. So of course. Molly Rose being Molly Rose, I had to ask her first. <laughs> um, and she was like, yes, really happy about it. Um, but she was like, what does this mean? You know, and she was on kind of on a real positive that she was now famous and she was on TV the night before and she was so excited. And But she was like, yes, if, it, if it's going to save some trees, then yes, it's really important. And there was a real air of excitement for her that she spoke the truth mm -hmm. and she was um, excited that maybe she could help mm. in other ways. Mm. If the name catches as Molly Rose Way, then that's a story in that because people will say, why is it called Molly Rose mm -hmm. Way? Yay. And that's where the story happens. So just as we found the tree and it was Grace Bannister's tree and there was a little bit of story there which made that place a little bit more perhaps than it was by calling it Molly Rose Way. I guess we are just trying to keep the story alive. Keep this, yeah, and I actually have said to her, if 50 years from now, you know, or 60 years from now, when people say, why is that called Molly Rose's Way? There'll be this story yeah. about a little girl who really expressed her passion about the trees. Um, one of the things I did ask the DFI officers at the time was how important that would be to name it. And so I'm hoping that after all this noisy building that they go back and think, right, how are we going to restore this? How are we going to bring the biodiversity back? How are we going to bring more swans and lots of animals back into that nature, I suppose, and wild and... We just don't want a wall, we want more.